Welcome to Talkin' SEC. Writer, photographer, and producer Philip Jordan discusses the latest news and breaks down the biggest games with the best analyst around. Now, from Southeast Alabama, a state that knows its sports, here is Philip Jordan. What's up, everybody? Welcome into Talking SEC. I am your host, Philip Jordan, from Last World College Football, and that's 6.9 The Legend in Dothan, Alabama, where I'm the in-studio host and producer of Dothan Woods Football. This is your weekly look at all things SEC football. I uh, have a good show planned for you guys this week, a little bit later in the week than originally planned. Uh, I'm going to be joined by a good friend of the show, kind of like my part-time semi-co-host. Brandon jumps on here probably more than anybody. Uh, he is going to come on. We're going to talk about EA Sports bringing back the college football game. We'll talk some Arkansas. We'll talk some LSU. And we're going heavy into looking at the SEC quarterback situations or SEC quarterbacks and some you know overall team thoughts going into 2021 before i bring brandon on let me tell you guys you can find me at the podcast you can find me on social media at p jordan sec you can find the pod on twitter at talking sec pod of course the podcast is available on apple podcast spotify or wherever you get your podcast and if you are on apple podcast please subscribe rate and review you can check out clips from talking sec over on mark rogers tv his sec channel go check that out a lot of great content over there and, of course, you can always email me at sports.philipjordan at gmail.com. Everybody joining me on this later in the week edition of the show, usually early in the week, but coming at you on a Friday. I'm joined by, I guess you can say, semi-regular co-host, uh, uh, part-time co-host, whatever you want to call it, uh, Brendan Eisman. Of course, you can check him out as a writer over at LSU Wire, last one calls football, where he covers the Arkansas Razorbacks. You can listen to him on the LSU Breakdown podcast and the Beyond the Bleachers podcast. So, Brendan, you're all over the place. Uh, but, man, I, I'm always, always thrilled to have you on the show because we always have great conversation. Hey, Philip. Yeah, I'm glad to be back on. Uh, you're right, man. I am all over the place. It's like I'm doing so much these days. I think this is the, the last two or three times you've come on you've been kind of like it's been like emergency uh, help me out my guest thing didn't, didn't pan out the way I thought uh, so I, I, I do appreciate that too man because you know these are kind of episodes these last couple we've done here on Talking SEC I don't think we really plan them ahead of time but we're able to give them to work yeah yeah I always love talking with you man even if it is on a short term basis <laughs> yeah, well, well, we have conversation, and we just kind of, just kind of, two guys here uh, talking ball, talking SEC and college football in general, man. And it's kind of, it's kind of been crazy too this off season so far, with it, especially with the SEC. We've had plenty to talk about where it comes to recruiting. Which, look, I'm going to be upfront, everybody here, not going to get much into recruiting just because. And I've said this before on previous shows, previous podcasts. I'm not a big recruiting guy. I don't follow it as closely, maybe as I should, and that's a, fa- a failure of me. It's just I play my strengths, and talking recruiting is not my strength. But of course, we've had that, which I know Alabama brought in number one class there. Of course, we've had Tennessee coaching search, Auburn filling out a coaching staff, just a bunch of interesting stuff going on, man. So it's kind of like, yeah, our, the college football season, SEC football season ended. But thankfully for me, and other podcasters out there, uh, there's still plenty to talk about. Yeah, yeah, certainly. There's a lot, and uh, a lot of interesting stuff. <laughs> and just for everybody out there, this, this was some awesome news this week. And I'm going to kind of give you all some backstory of what's something that really made it funny to me when this news dropped. Of course, I'm talking about EA Sports getting back into the college football business. We're all excited about that. And uh, Brandon, I mean, you were talking off air because I was going to do a 
episode of the podcast earlier this week uh, with Jake Crane, host of the J-Boy Show. That didn't work out. Just I just moved to a new apartment and kind of getting some cable stuff worked out. But uh, Jake Crane will be on the podcast next week, so check that out. But uh, the cable technician, Brandon, came in, and we were talking ball. We were talking kind of things, and he went into one of the rooms. I had my Xbox there, and I had the old NCAA 14 there. And he said, man, that's a great game. I really wish they'd bring it back. And I kid you not, man, the very next day is when we got the news. So I was like, wow, that, that was just a funny thing for me that I was talking about it with my cable technician on Monday night. And then Tuesday, we'll get the news that EA Sports is back in the college football business. Yeah. Yeah, uh, Philip. so I'm not going to lie, uh, Tuesday morning when I saw that one roll out of bed, I kind of jumped out of bed like a kid on Christmas. <laughs> um, I was very excited. Uh, I, I, look, I still play UCA 14. I was actually playing uh, the other day. I won a national championship at LSU. Go figure. Um, but we've been, this is something that everybody that has played in this franchise has been waiting on for, you know, seven years. And even though it's not going to have the word NCAA in it, still going to be a college football game. Uh, it's going to be a couple of years because, from what I understand, they're still at the, uh, the beginning stages of it, and you got to get all the licensing stuff and things like that. And you know, they've got the uh, NIL bill that they're still trying to work on. So maybe when that gets in, you know, maybe they can freshen it up a little bit before they release it. Um, but that was really big news on Tuesday, and I cannot wait to uh, go buy it. But the only thing that I don't like about it, Philip, is that they're only bringing it out for next-gen consoles. So they're basically forcing me to go buy a PlayStation 5 or a new Xbox. Well, that's the moneymaker. You know, for the, the other companies, make you go do that. And, okay, let me ask you this, man. Cause we all, you know how you are about your LSU Tigers. Uh, how many times have you created Joe Burrow on there? Um, actually, I never created him. I always just download the roster uh, every single year because a bunch of people make rosters, so I just download them. And uh, the last two years when Burrow was on there, I used him, but unfortunately he's gone now, so I don't have him anymore. Um, but it was fun playing with him. <laughs> I have actually gone back and just created Cam Newton a bunch of times and other stuff. And uh, I've actually created myself as the quarterback for teams, too. And I'll tell you something I've always enjoyed doing on there, too. I like taking teams that are really not good on their ratings and just win a national championship with them. I have won a national championship with Vanderbilt on NCAA 14. So uh, that's always something weird I like to do. So you won't see me get like teams. Normally people that know me know me will say, oh, man, yeah, that's who Phil's going to play us. Nah. I like to get teams that are absolutely horrible by their ratings on there and like take them to the title. Yeah, yeah. Uh, have you ever tried to use an Idaho to win a national championship? It's kind of hard. <laughs> it can be done. <laughs> But it, it, it's difficult. I don't, yeah, I'm like you, Phil. I like to take the smaller teams, kind of build them up, and then after you know five, seven years, win a couple of championships, I'll move on somewhere else. But that that's what's fun, especially about 14, is being able to take those smaller programs and build them up. Uh, I'll take you way back, Philip. I have NCAA 06. I think that's the best one of all time. And I play it a lot, too. It's a lot of fun. Um, but 14 is definitely one of the best ones. But man, I'm just so excited that uh, we're you know we're getting this new game. And hey, man, when I move back to Dothan in a couple months, you ever want me to come over and give you a whooping in 14? Just let me know. I'll come do it. <laughs> All right, uh, game old man. I'll tell you, I'll tell you how far back I played it. I remember playing it on my PC, and I believe it was '97 
96 or 97, Danny Werfel was on the cover. That is that is yeah, that that is throwing it back. How long I've been playing it, and then I started getting it uh, when I was uh, when I had my play, first PlayStation Two. I, Carson Palmer was on the. And I'm sure if I'm wrong, somebody's correct. I believe it's the the O three or O four game, and I, I think that was the first one I got on PlayStation. But yeah, I always I always was intrigued by the cover guy too. And I wonder if they knew that that was going to be the last one where they put Denard Robinson on the first on the front of fourteen. Oh, uh, you know, I, I don't think they knew at the time uh, because the lawsuit from Ed O'Bannon, I don't think it started yet. Um, I'd have to go back and research that, but I don't think it had started, so I don't think EA knew that that would be the last one. Um, but over the past couple of days, Philip, I have seen a bunch of like posts on social media and stuff like by. Um, like ESPN and Fox Sports and stuff, being like, "Hey, who would you have put on the cover of you know fifteen through twenty one or twenty two or whatever?" Um, and it was basically all the Heisman winners that they had selected. Um, but I, at the time, I don't think EA knew that it was going to be the end of it. But man, I'm so glad that they're reviving it. I really cannot wait. Okay, let's play that game a little bit. Now, it was just this off this past year. Just say, because it was always a player from the previous year that's graduated or has left college that was on the front of the game, which that could change too. I'm going to get into that in a minute as well. This is just me, you know, just thinking off the top of my head with the way things are going to college athletics. So, I'm going to be honest with you. If the game was to come out this fall, which we know it's not, I would put Trevor Lawrence on the front of it. And I know a lot of people are going to say we need to put Devontae Smith who won the Heisman Trophy. I get that, and it's not a slide on him. But in my mind, the casual video game, if you had a cover and all that stuff, I think Trevor Lawrence would actually sell more. That's just just because he has bigger star power, in my opinion, than Devontae Smith because it's just Trevor Lawrence. He is kind of like the face of college football this past year, just like Tim Tebow was when he was playing and some other guys. But who are who would you put on the front of it if there was a game coming out this fall? Oh, man, I, look, I agree with you. Uh, I would have put Trevor Lawrence on it now. If it would have come out last year, obviously, I'd be biased. I'd put Joe Burrow. Oh, absolutely. Um, but look, Lawrence was the face of college football while he was a Clinton. Um, he, he's probably going to be the face of the NFL, too. Um, and actually, Philip, I don't know if you have read up on this or anything, but there's actually a mod for NCAA 14 called College Football Revamp, and Trevor Lawrence is the cover of that. Like, a bunch of guys got together. Uh, basically redid the game, like made it look really, really good. Redid the logos, put in the new teams like Coastal Carolina, App State, uh, all of them, kind of redid it for everybody. I'm actually still in the process of trying to get it online. Um, but they put Trayvon Lawrence on the cover of it, and that just, just kind of goes to say something. Um, and, and look, I, I fully understand why people would want to put Devontae Smith on it. He was one of the best receiver in college football last year. But if you go back and look at the coverage from 14 all the way back, really, to when it started, it wasn't the Heisman winner, you know, every single year. Um, so, that you know, that, that made it on that next year's edition. Um, so, I, I would put Lawrence on there just because of, you know, he was the talk of college football, really, for a couple of years. Yeah, yeah. So, you were in agreement on that one. You know, Kind of transition, you know, talking about some teams that you do write about. Of course, Arkansas for Last Word and then LSU for LSU Wire. Uh, Arkansas, you know, and you did write up recently in the last couple of weeks your review of the 2020 season. And you also 
uh, did a story on the the new schedule. And uh, we're not going to spend too much time on this. I'm going to bring you back probably at a later date when I start doing state of the fran- uh, state of the program, state of the franchise will be on the NFL pod, state of the program episodes where we really will dive in to these programs uh, one week at a time. But when you look at Arkansas, looking back at the 2020 season, they go three and three to start the season, but then they do lose four in a row. Uh, Felipe Franks gets hurt toward the end of the year. They don't play their bowl game. So when you say three and seven, you only won three games. Some people look at, ah, I don't, I don't see it as a good year. But when you look at where this program was, where the fan base probably was, and doubts, and just um, what Sam Pittman did, especially early in the year, they brought he brought a toughness to that Arkansas program. So yeah, three and seven. But Arkansas was really, I think they're on the way up with Sam Pittman. Yeah, so they, they certainly are. Uh, I don't remember the exact number of how many straight uh, SEC conference games Arkansas had lost in football until Pittman got there last year. Uh, but what he did and how he is reshaping that program is tremendous. Look, I know they went 3-7, and seven, like you mentioned, but you could see it when they played. Like, they're playing a lot tougher. They're playing with... Um, a better mentality. They're wanting to win. They there were just a couple of games like the LSU game, for instance, they couldn't get it done or the Missouri game where they scored late and then Missouri went down the field in like thirty or forty seconds to kick the game with a field goal. That was you know, Arkansas probably could have stopped them. Uh, and got you know Arkansas could have finished with I think five or six wins. Uh, excluding the bowl game if they didn't play. I hate that they didn't play I wanted to see them play one last time. Um, but you did have Franks get hurt but KJ Jefferson is going to be uh, something really special in Fayetteville under center for the next couple of years for the Razorbacks. Uh, just from what I saw from him uh, in a couple of appearances last year, I like what he's bringing uh, to the program. I really do. Um, but I think Arkansas, they still have room for improvement, but in 2020 they made a ton of improvements that you know maybe with another coach or – different coordinators would have taken them a couple more years to make. So I think they're ahead of where they uh, wanted to be. Yeah, and you're right, because look, the Missouri game, that could have went either way. And then look, you know, Auburn Rider here, cover Auburn for last run calls football. But Arkansas got screwed in that game. Bo Nix threw the ball back in the spike. Arkansas should have got the ball back. So you're looking, if those two things go your way, just two small things like that, uh, you're five and five, so that's how close they were to a 500 season. And then you talk about maybe going winning your sixth game if you can play the bowl game, or other another game goes your way too as well. So uh, for them, you're right, you're going in the right direction. And you know we're going to talk quarterbacks in a little bit, and KJ Jefferson was, was one of them. And it's just one game, but he showed what he was capable of in that game against Missouri. They lost 50 to 48, but he was 18 for 33, 274 three touchdowns and that's a really good showing and like I said that was when Franks didn't play so moving forward for them I mean that that's a good piece to build your team around and they got a lot of good pieces there at Arkansas to do that yeah yeah they certainly do uh and like you said a second ago Philip KJ Jefferson is a really good you know really good uh asset to build your team around um now look I, I'm not gonna sit here and say that oh Arkansas is you know going to win the SEC West and make the college football playoffs in the next, you know, two to three years with Jefferson at quarterback and Pippen as head coach. No, that's not what I'm saying. But I think they make enough improvements and get enough wins to become maybe a uh, close third or a, you know, solid fourth place finisher in the West. 
uh, and make a you know a pretty all right bowl game at least maybe this upcoming year and maybe into uh, 2022 as well. I think what Pippen is doing is really revolutionizing the program to eventually get them to be able to compete with LSU and Alabama and Auburn and Georgia and Florida and you know whoever else may uh, up and come in the SEC the next couple of years. Yeah, and another thing, and honestly, I would not be surprised. I think after Alabama next year, it could be LSU, A&M that could fight out for number two. Ole Miss defensively won't be there. Mississippi State's got a ways to go. And Auburn, I'm just – I'm I'm very positive about Brian Harson and the staff he's got coming in, but there's some holes on that team that's got to be filled, and they did not have a good recruit class, 30th in the country, 11th in the SEC. But LSU, and I, and I feel like a few weeks ago we did talk about Jake Peets when he was hired. Uh, but quickly, you know, obviously, like I said, you cover also LSU for LSU Wire, part of the USA Today network. Uh, what was your uh, reaction last week with the hiring of new defense coordinator Dante Jones? Uh, I was kind of surprised uh, because I didn't really know that much about him. Uh, but I've read a little bit more to, into him, and I, I like what he's going to bring. LSU. Uh, obviously, last year with Bo Pelini was an absolute disaster. Um, really gets me upset sometimes talking about it because of how bad it was. Um, yeah, I still say to the same man, Pelini was the wrong hire from day one. It really showed on the field that he was the wrong hire from day one. Uh, so hopefully, Jules can come in and turn things around and hopefully get back to a Dave Miranda style defense uh, next season. But uh, I'm excited about the hires that LSU was made. Um, and I think that they're they're going to take a different direction, and it's, I, I think it'll be for the better. Um, but I was really surprised that Jones just got in a little bit. Um, but Jake Pete and DJ Lamb, those are two star highs on the offensive side. Um, but if if Durante Jones can come in and you know get the players to work the right way, um, you know, and produce on the field, I think he'll be fine. You know, and I brought this up last week on the show. I had Chris Gordy from Locked On SEC on the show, and I brought this up. And I don't, I don't think Ed Orgeron is intentionally doing this, or this is not what they're doing. But obviously, when you look at your offensive coordinator hire and defensive coordinator hire, there's some ties to what 2019 was. Because, of course, on the offense side, Jake Peets will be your offense coordinator. I need to mention, uh, mention Mangus there. Uh, both of them were under Joe Brady this past year at Carolina, so they kind of – know what he does, and you figure they're going to run a, a similar system uh, when they are in control of an offense. Then you have Dronte Jones here. Of course, he spent time with Dave Aranda when he was at Wisconsin, so you figure his defense will be very similar. The philosophies, anyways, will be to what Dave Aranda did. So for you, as a guy that covers and that follows his LSU program, does it, in a sense, feel like Ed Orgeron's trying to uh, dip back into 2019 and maybe hope he can cre- recreate some of that energy and magic? Yeah, yeah, it kind of does. Uh, basically, for me, it's just because of the ties that those coaches have to Joe Brady and Dave Aranda, really. Um, now, we can sit here and speculate, you know, and I know it's in February, but still, we can speculate on how LSU is going to do this year, but nobody really knows until they get on the field. Like, I'll take you back to 2019, and I was, I was like, right, LSU's probably going to put up, you know, at least 40 a game. I see them going like 11 and 1, 10 and 2 in the regular season. And I'm surprised all of us won 15 and 0 and won a national championship. Um, now, LSU does return 20 of their 22 starters um, from last year, but that's not saying anything if you're not you know, producing on the field in the spring once practice starts and then 
you know, having solid competitions, you know, throughout the fall up until when the season starts. And then you have to go to UCLA week one and prove it on the field um, and the rest of the season, too. Um, but I, I think it does uh, kind of tie back into the 2019 season. I, I can see LSU trying to um, dial some things up on both sides of the ball to kind of uh, mimic what they did that season. Um, they just got to put in the work and, you know, hopefully get back to the way they were playing that season. Yeah, it's going to be interesting, and I'm intrigued with this team, and we'll get more into them in a second here because uh, we're going to jump into some SEC quarterbacks. An exercise I wanted to do here on the podcast today was, in a way, go through all the SEC quarterback situations. Uh, some we won't spend a lot of time on, some we will. And the LSU one will be one I want to spend a few moments on because I think that's probably going to be the most intriguing quarterback battle going to the spring and into the fall. Uh, but, you know, of course, you know, if you want to, I'm going to go out of order. We're going to go west and then east. Uh, of course, Alabama at the top, you go in out of order here. They are the defending champion. We, of course, know Mac Jones is out. Bryce Young is in. And with this one, Brandon, it's kind of interesting to me because also you're going to have a new office coordinator. Steve Sarkeesian, of course, as everybody knows, he's gone off to Texas to be their new head coach. Bill Polian is coming in. Uh, not Bill Polian, Bill O'Brien. Excuse me. Bill Polian was a general manager in NFL. Bill O'Brien is the office coordinator. Uh, excuse me on my faux pas there. But like I said, Bill O'Brien coming in uh, as the office coordinator. I think he's a good office coach, and he was a solid coach at Penn State for two years. I think this is a really, really fantastic hire for Alabama. It's going to be intriguing what he does with Bryce Young. Of course, he had a mobile quarterback with the Houston Texans and Deshaun Watson. Uh, so I, I see this Alabama offense looking a lot different because now you're going to have a quarterback that can run. Of course, Mac Jones was not that guy. So, a lot, you know, long story short, I think the Alabama offense is going to look a little bit different with this guy at quarterback. Yeah, yeah, I certainly do too. And before I get to Bryce Young, so uh, I also want to point out that Alabama hired my NFL team's former head coach, who we fired, uh, Doug Marone. Uh, so Bama has two former NFL head coaches on their staff now under Saban. Yeah, uh, that's big because look, I mean you can say what you want to about either one of them, and I hate to cut you off there, Brandon. Bill O'Brien did not do a bad job as the head coach of the Houston Texans. Uh, they were a playoff team pretty much most years he was there. General manager Bill O'Brien was horrible, and then you talk about Doug Marone. Look, they were a quarter away from knocking off the Patriots in the AFC Championship a couple years ago with Blake Bortles as his quarterback. I mean, that's how close they came to having Blake Bortles starting in a Super Bowl. I mean, and yes, it kind of fell off, but I think there were some locker room issues too with some of them players, and then just your talent fell off because you had to get some of them issues out, out of Jacksonville. So uh, both coaches showed that they're capable of being solid NFL head coaches. Not great, probably not Super Bowl winning coaches. But they're good NFL coaches. Now bring them to the, the college ranks under Nick Saban. That's what makes these hires so spectacular because those are two solid NFL coaches, in my opinion. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And you put them under Saban for a couple of years. And who knows, man, maybe Bill O'Brien and uh, Doug Marone get some type of coaching you know, job back in the NFL in a couple of years. Who knows? Um, I think they're both going to be do really well under Saban. Uh, but, but to your point here about Bryce Young, man, look, when, when he committed and came in, everybody was like, oh, this kid's the future. All right, I have not seen enough of him to determine that for myself yet, but I'm excited about 2021. Uh, Bama has been on a roll, as we all know, since 2009, <laughs> even though they have not won the championship every single year. What Saban has done is great. Yes, we all know that. Um, but uh, you come in, you finish with, 
the top rated recruiting class uh, on Wednesday, and it was rated as the best recruiting class of all time. Now, I know that doesn't have a lot to do with Bryce Young, um, but that, that's still and, that, and that's saying something. Um, but I think with what we may see with Bama's new offense, uh, the fans are going to like it. I really think so. And I think Bryce Young's going to be able to thrive, and man, I, I just cannot wait to see what this kid does uh, this upcoming season. Yeah, it's going to be fun. Of course, weapons will be there. Yes, they lose a lot. Alabama loses a lot every year. But John Minchie is going to be a star uh, in that offense. I'm I'm 100% sure of. He's going to continue this streak Alabama's had with wide receivers. And then Byron Robinson at running back. And, of course, as I mentioned, Alabama's got talent coming in. There's going to be some impact freshmen there as well. Now, of course, we're not going to talk about Arkansas. We kind of talked about that a few minutes ago. Auburn, of course, Bo Nix. I feel like Bo Nix is going to be the starting quarterback. They won for Auburn. I know they they bring they're bringing in some guys. I feel like Bo Nix is going to be the guy. And look, Brian Harson, his track history with quarterbacks. Of course, he is now the head coach at Auburn. And you got Mike Bobo. I'm not the biggest uh, fan of that hire, but Bobo has worked with some good quarterbacks. You know, you can mention Aaron Murray as one of them. So and that that's the thing here. That's their challenge. I think offensively going into next season is can they fix Bo Nix? because he has shown some inconsistencies. He is not good away from Jordan Hare. Horrible on the road. His passing uh, completion percentage drops when he gets away from home. But his fundamentals have got to be fixed. He has got to stop leaving a pocket when he shouldn't, which I also know that's an offensive line issue that both those guys are going to have to kind of figure out what to do there as well. And, you know, just setting his feet, simple stuff like that. So that's the that's a big challenge for this new coaching staff is you know, can they take Bo Nix to the next level because Bo Nix has the talent to be a really good college quarterback but can they work on those fundamentals to help him reach that point? Yeah, yeah, certainly, Philip. Uh, look, there's a lot of questions surrounding Bo Nix, but my question for you is: Aren't you just glad that Gus Malzahn is not here to call the plays this upcoming season? <laughs> um, I mean, I, I think that's a, that's a sign really for every single Auburn fan is that Gus is no longer calling plays. Uh, but look, I, I think if if the coaches in Harrison and Bobo can work with uh, Bo Nix really closely, fix his you know fundamental issues, get him to set his feet right, get him to you know stay in the pocket or leave the pocket when he knows that he needs to, um, and just get him to be an efficient enough quarterback to win over in the games that they need to win, I think he'll be fine. Uh, we all know that he's most likely going to be the starting quarterback in twenty twenty one, barring any injury. Or if he just gets out gold in you know, spring ball or early fall ball, which I don't see happening. Um, I'm excited to see what Nick does in this new offense that Auburn has. And uh, kind of like with Bryce Young, I'm excited, I'm excited to see what they both do. Uh, but I, I really want to see Bo Nix make a big improvement this year. That, that's the one thing I want to see. I want to see him be better in the pocket, make better decisions, set his feet right make accurate throws, and, you know, get open the way they need to be under the new coaches. Yeah, the only way I, for me, and, and the people out there listening to this uh, may, can, may disagree with me, but the only way I see Bonix not being a quarterback, too, is maybe if they hit the transfer portal and they bring in another quarterback from somewhere that can challenge Bonix as the starter. But I don't just – there's no one on this roster, to, in my opinion, that can challenge him. I, it will be a competition because that's how it is whenever new coaching staff comes in. And you'll find out who wants to be there, too, on the team during that whole deal with the new coaching staff because everybody's up for grabs. There's nobody's – or nobody should be be giving a starting spot. You don't have to work for it. 
But to me, if, unless Auburn goes to the transfer portal, that's the only way I could see Bo Nix not being the quarterback. Now for LSU, and I mentioned we we're going to get into this. We didn't really get into this when I was, you know, talked to you on an earlier topic. But I am super intrigued by this this quarterback situation at LSU. Look, Miles Brennan did not play bad this past season. He was not the reason why LSU was losing games. I mean, before he got hurt, he had three for 1,112 yards, 11 touchdowns, three interceptions. He was playing really good. And then the last two games, obviously, against Florida and Ole Miss, Max Johnson played fantastically. Me and you have talked about this before. And overall, in the year, he had over 1,000 yards and uh, eight touchdowns, one interception. Of course, I believe in those final two games, it was six touchdowns to zero interceptions. Played really well in both those games. Of course, you got T.J. Finley, super talented. You can see the athletic gifts there. You know, he had some issues with some turnovers in some of the games he played in where they lost. But Brandon, man, I mean – who comes out of this thing? And I think a more important question is with the quarterback situation, who transfers? Yeah. Uh, I, I was I was going to say, when, you, when we were talking about Boonix, you, you brought up those two words, transfer portal. Um, and I don't really think that someone's going to transfer just because of what they have now. I think it's because of the guy that's coming in, and that's Gary Nussmeyer. Um, Nussmeyer is a really, really top-rated recruit that, man, I – Honestly, man, I don't even know. I can't process the LSU quarterback situation right now going into this play. They've got so much talent there. Um, I mean, everybody can assume that it's going to be Miles Brennan, but Max Johnson played well. Finley played well a little bit. He didn't have struggles like at Auburn when they lost 48 to 11. That was a really bad performance. Um, but he's also really talented. And really to answer the question, who transfers, I, I have no idea. Uh, I've talked with my dad on this. I know I haven't done LSU breakdown in a while. I'm going to do one soon, especially to talk about the quarterback situation heading into spring uh, since we're getting kind of close to that. Um, but if I had to guess right now, man, and look, I like the kid. He's a really good player, but I, I think it's C.J. Finley. Um, I think based off of what we saw last year from Johnson in those final two games, that kind of gives him an edge a little bit going into the spring. And obviously with Brendan kind of back, um, I think it's his job to lose, you know, right now. Um, until I see otherwise in the spring and early fall before the season starts. But if I had to guess, I think it's Finley that transfers, even though he can work with the coaches and, you know, improve a lot. But uh, I think somebody's got to leave. LSU cannot keep four talented quarterbacks on the roster. I just don't see that happening. Not all of them are going to play. Um but uh, like I don't want to see Finley leave because this is Brennan's last year in 2021, so he would have a you know a uh, chance to start in 22. But I think when it comes down to it all, man, somebody's gonna, somebody's going to leave. It's not that somebody's got to leave. Somebody's going to leave, and I think it's going to be Finley. You know, we look at the Mississippi schools, and and Matt Corral played fantastic at times this season under Lane Kiffin. Really, most of the season he was really good. But against Arkansas and against LSU, he had problems with interceptions. He threw 14 interceptions on the year. Uh, 29 touchdown passes, but 14 interceptions. So, of course, Lane Kiffin's going to get that, try to get that under control of decision-making uh, for Corral. I mean, like I said, that, that, was, that was an issue he had in some of those games this year. And then Mississippi State with Will Rogers. I think he played well down the stretch. They got, got to win in the bowl game. Uh, so, they got to end the year on the win. So, did Ole Miss. So both both those are intriguing to me, and I think you know everybody you know kind of jumped on Mike Leach, and it was not working this year after that first game. 
But I see positive signs with both Mississippi schools, especially with their quarterbacks. Yeah, yeah, I, I really do too, Philip. Uh, and I'll start with Matt Corral. Look, I've liked Corral uh, since he went to Ole Miss. Uh, I've been waiting on this kid to really kind of step out of his comfort zone and take Ole Miss to somewhere that they haven't been in a while. Maybe you get an upset win uh, over, over a, you know, a top two, top three Alabama team, maybe a top ten Auburn team, something. Like, I want Matt Corral to lead Ole Miss to a really big win in 2021. Uh, and maybe through the 14-interception, but... I think if he can improve on that, um, just make accurate throws, make right reads uh, against those defensive coverages, I think he'll be fine. And then about Will Rogers at uh, Mississippi State, he did play well down the stretch. I think that gives him a lot of momentum going into this next season. Um, And, you know, Philip, I think that both of these Mississippi quarterbacks can surprise a lot of people this year. And, man, I know it's only February, but I miss college football already. I'm ready for it. Uh, so give me these guys tomorrow on the field playing, you know. Like, I want to see Will Rogers do well for Mississippi State because he just Costello last year was all hyped up. Uh, he played really well against LSU and then just kind of fell off the map. Uh, and then Rogers steps in late in the season and does his thing. Uh, so I think Mississippi State's good at quarterback. I think Cole Miss is too. And when these two teams play at the end of the year, I, I hope it's a really good game. Yeah, it was a good one this year with Ole Miss winning 31-24, and I can expect good things there. i tell you what I'm, I'm really excited about with these with these two programs. If we get SEC media days, which it looks like we're going to get that this year, those two, I don't care if we're just watching it virtual, if the riders aren't there, but hearing these two, especially Mike Leach, that's going to be the highlight of media days when we get there in the summer. Oh, yeah, for, for sure. <laughs> no question. Uh, and then, of course, A&M. And, and look, it's, it's going to be interesting who becomes the next quarterback because Kellen Mond is out. And I, more importantly, they're losing four or five offensive linemen. Uh, but A&M did take that big step this next this past year. And honestly, and if there's A&M fans out there listening to this, I'm sorry. What I'm about to say may bother you. I think Kellen Mond held them back. So if they can get a more consistent quarterback presence in there, I think A&M has a chance to potentially be even more of a playoff contender than they were this past year. Yeah, yeah, I do too, Philip. Um, you know, last year when, when they beat Florida and they just lingered around there at number five with one loss all season long to Alabama. I'm like, man, this team deserves to get the playoff. Like, they really do. Their only loss is to the number one team, and I'm still kind of outraged speaking about it that they didn't get in. But, but look, I, I get why. Um, I thought A&M really had a chance last year to get in after they beat Florida. I was like, all right, they just beat Florida. Like, they're, they're going to do it. Um, but going into this year, their quarterback situation is a little uncertain. So once they get that figured out, um, I know they lost a bunch of offensive linemen. If they can replace those guys and, you know, get the right quarterback in the, under Jimbo, I think A&M can make a run at it again. Um, I'm not going to say that beat them win the West or anything like that. I think they can linger up there kind of like they did last year. Um, but, man, I think what Jimbo's doing at A&M is, is awesome to see, too. Um, and I, I think they've got a lot of momentum going off of last year. So if they can just figure out the quarterback situation, I think they'll be fine. Yeah, I mean, that's going to be that's going to be their big question going forward there at A&M, who's going to be the quarterback for uh, 2021. You know, and now we look at the east, eastern side of the conference, and uh, very intriguing there as well. Especially at Florida, the defending 
SEC East champion. Kyle Trask is out. Emory Jones will be in at quarterback. Of course, they're going to have to replace a lot of skilled players around the quarterback as well. But, you know, I, and I was really thinking about this today as I knew this was, a, you know, what we were going, one of the things we we're going to talk about here on the podcast. And this is going to be the first time I think we get to see the true Dan Mullen offense of Florida because he had Felipe Franks the first year and a half. And, look, Felipe Franks had the ability to run, but he really never really used that part of his game, that athleticism that he did have. He showed it at times, but on a consistent basis, Felipe Franks would not just allow himself to be a runner. And, of course, Kyle Trask is your traditional dropback passer. So, for me, with Emory Jones coming in, we know he is a threat to run. He is a good passer as well. There will be good skill position players there at Florida. So, but for me, I'm looking at the Florida Gators. I think we're going to get the – the Dan Mullen offense unleashed with him, kind of like we saw with that Prescott, Mississippi State, a little bit of Tim Tebow at Florida, because now he has that running threat at the quarterback position. Yeah, yeah, I, I think we get you know the the full Dan Mullen offense. I fully agree with you. Kind of like with Bryce Young and Matt Corral, I've been waiting on Emory Jones, you know, on on his turn. And now the press is there, Franks is gone, it's his time. Uh, and you talked about Florida having to replace players. Paid me to say this. Uh, they just recently got Eric Gilbert from LSU. <laughs> if you don't understand how bad that infuriates me, that he went to that rival. Oh man, I was mad. Look, that's a really good thing for Florida. That gives them uh, a really, really big momentum boost, especially tight end. He's a really good blocker. He's a really good pass catcher. Um, he just didn't feel like he fit, like he fit in at LSU. And I get it. Um, so now he's going to go to Florida. It's going to home in Georgia. But that gives Emory Jones a really, really solid weapon uh, at tight end. It gives him extra, an extra kind of thing. Um, but just on Emory Jones, man, he's got the ability to run. He can throw. Um, I think Florida's in good hands with him for the next couple of years unless somebody comes in and beats him out uh, for the job. But I think it's Emory Jones' job going into 21, and I can't wait to see what the guy does. Uh, and I really want to see Dan Mullen. Uh, I want to see his full offense this year now that these two uh, quarterbacks are done. Yeah, and honestly, Florida has struggled running the ball the last two seasons. And now you have a quarterback that can run it. Uh, Florida's offensive line, you know, it's going to be big for them. But just the fact that, that Florida will have a threat in the running game again. And that's going to, that is going to set stuff up in the passing game down the field for his offense. Because I think that's one thing I don't think a lot of people talk about enough about, that Florida has been – a very struggling team when it comes to running the ball. They pretty much just said, okay, Kyle Trask, let's just throw it all over the place. And that's, that's won them a lot of games the last two seasons, but they need to get that running game going, and Emory Jones could be a big reason why. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Florida does need to get their running game established, man. Uh, I, I, I told a lot of people, especially during the season last year, that Florida's running game was really non-existent to me. Um, they, they had so much trouble running the ball last year that it cost them. It, it really did. Um, especially when Kyle Trask was struggling in a couple of games. If Florida could have established a running game when they needed to in certain situations, they probably would have made the playoff. Um, but they didn't, and they lacked that running game. And I think with Emory Jones uh, going into this next season, you you got that that extra, you know, you're going to be able to run the ball now. Um, so I think going into this season, that, that's going to be a big boost for their offense too. Yeah, then we look at Georgia. Look, to me, Georgia is the, in my opinion, yours may differ. Uh, they are the biggest challenger to Alabama in the SEC because of the talent they've got coming back. And that's, that starts at quarterback JT Daniels. 
why he wasn't starting in the last this past season earlier than he did, we'll never know. I think he kind of alluded to that after his first start. In four games, he threw for 1,231 yards, 10 touchdowns, two interceptions. And when he was in there, Brandon, you know, you saw it too. The Georgia offense was different. It is dynamic. They can beat you down the field. I mean, look, Stetson Bennett was an okay quarterback. He was a good, you know, guy. That he wasn't mostly wasn't going to get you beat, but he did not make Georgia a difference maker. And with JT Daniels coming back, when you look at Zamir White and James Cook coming back as well in the backfield, George Pickens at receiver, among others, uh, this Georgia offense is going to be uh, top-notch. But I always like to talk about the quarterback. That's because JT Daniels. JT Daniels, to me, is a guy that has potential to be an NFL starter. He has potential to be a Heisman Trophy contender under Todd Monken in this offense. And that's a big reason I'm really excited for 2021 watch Georgia play because offensively I think they could be one of the more dynamic teams in the country and once again I said this for a third time a lot of it has to do because of the quarterback JT Daniels yeah it really does uh, JT Daniels is a really really good quarterback uh, we're exactly 10 months away to the day from week one of the college football season when Georgia plays Clemson in Charlotte yep. uh, I'm going to go ahead and pick right now just a really early pick I'm going to pick Georgia to win these right now ooh um, Right now, um, I love JT Daniels. I think Georgia's offense is going to be really, really good next year. Um, they are the you know the challenger to Alabama right now. They are. There's there's just kind of a gap between Georgia and everybody else, um, and it's really because of JT Daniels. If they can get a couple of things clicking offensively, they may increase that gap a little bit. Um, Georgia is bringing back a lot of talent. I think that Kirby Smart is going to get an exception room for his money in the SEC. Um, but I, I do, uh, I think that Daniels can be a lot of continue and possibly an NFL starter, too. Um, I think that he's going to come out and swing the ball, man. I really do. Um, he's going to do a lot of things for Georgia that they've been waiting on for a couple of years. Um, and everybody has a situation with him. He was clear, like, I don't know, two, three, four weeks in the season, and he didn't play till towards the end. Um, had they given him a chance to play earlier in the year, things probably would have been different for that team. Uh, but going into this next season for Georgia, I like what they've got offensively. Their defense is going to be good. Um, so, yeah, I, I think Georgia challenges Bama, and I think JT Daniels is a, a true Heisman uh, candidate. You know, when, uh, when we look at the rest of the SEC East, and uh, we're running along here on the podcast, we're kind of going to mold these, these last uh, five spots kind of within one, one little topic here. Of course, with Kentucky, just looking at them quickly, Terry Wilson out, great winner there. But look, was Kentucky, what's held them back is they do not have an, an evolved passing game. It is it is not a great route tree. What they run, quarterback play has not been great either. Of course, Liam Cohen, who is with the Rams, you kind of expect to see them Rams concepts coming in. You'll see Gatewood or Bo Allen there. Of course, at Missouri, Connor Basilak. I think he played well at times for Missouri. Good, good foundation there for year one under Eli Drinkwitz. And then when I look at South Carolina, Tennessee, and Vanderbilt, which Kenny, St- Kenny Seals at Vanderbilt played well last year as a freshman, just no talent around you. But more importantly, South Carolina, Tennessee, they've got to figure some things out with their quarterback situation. South Carolina, you would think Luke Doty would continue to be the quarterback there. And then Tennessee, Brian Maher or Harrison Bailey are the only guys with experience coming back. So uh, kind of some interesting points there with those, those five teams as we kind of close out our SEC quarterback conversation. Yeah, yeah, well, there certainly is. I, I kind of keep this as uh, soon as I can. 
Uh, I like they like it, Missouri. Uh, I liked them last year. Uh, I think South Carolina, Tennessee, like you said, they got to figure some things out. Uh, really, so does Kentucky too. Uh, and Vanderbilt, I think they're in good hands with Seals, but we all know how Vanderbilt plays football. They're probably not going to win a lot of games. Um, but I think the two interesting ones out of that is definitely South Carolina, Tennessee. Yeah, those are those are going to be battles. I mean, like I said, Luke Doty would think would be the guy, but we'll see. You never know uh, what Shane Beamer is going to do there. And like I said, Clark Lee, uh, at least first year, he's got a quarterback with SEC experience. I mean, Ken Seals showed some good things. Just like I said, they've got to figure out some things, get some get some talent around uh, that quarterback there at Vanderbilt, and figure out a way to just be competitive, get five or six wins. You know, just I think Vanderbilt fans will stay happy if you just can keep the team competitive and they have a shot at a bowl game end of the year. And, uh, and lastly, for uh, we we get out of here, I know this is talking SEC, and I've already given my pick on talking pro football. If you have not checked out that podcast, please do so. It's on all your favorite podcast platforms. Of course, we have the Super Bowl uh, this Sunday between the Buccaneers and the Chiefs, and uh, I picked on the, the podcast with Matt Barbado that I think Tampa Bay is going to win. I struggled. I have struggled deeply uh, with that prediction. Because I don't like to pick against Pat Mahomes. Patrick Mahomes, excuse me, I do not want his mother jumping on me on Twitter. She happened to hear about this podcast. I don't make a habit out of picking against Tom Brady. But my big thing is is the Kansas City Chiefs offensive line has injuries, of course, uh, with the things going on, left tackle Eric Fisher being out. What that defense of the Buccaneers was able to do, putting pressure on Aaron Rodgers with JPP and uh, Shaq Barrett, I think they're going to give enough pressure for Mahomes to make some mistakes, and I'm just going to go with Tom Brady to figure out a way to win it at the end. So I, I like Tampa Bay to win the Super Bowl. Yeah, so I'm going to take Tampa Bay as much as I despise Tom Brady. Um, I, I think they get it done. I really do. I, I know Kansas City's got the offensive line issues. They've still got an explosive offense with Tyreek Hill, Patrick Mahomes, Tony uh, Watkins, Travis Kelsey, uh, the running game of Clyde every layer and uh, David Williams, but you know what? Man, I just can't pick against Brady here. I really can't. Uh, wait, the Bucks are the first team in NFL history to ever host a Super Bowl and play in it in their stadium in the same season. That's wild. It's never happened. Um, give me Tampa Bay close, but I think the Bucks did it done. Yeah, I think this is a fantastic game, but I do. I'm going to stick, excuse me, there. I'm going to stick with uh, Tampa Bay winning the game. Uh, but anyways, Brandon, uh, we have been uh, we've done a forty-five minute podcast here between the two of us. Uh, we've hit on a lot of topics, a lot of cool things uh, to check out, and you can always check out clips of Talking SCC over on Mark Rogers TV. So go check out Mark Rogers; he does a great job covering college football all over the place. He, he's got so many teams covered; it's, it's just great content over on YouTube. Go check that out. And uh, Brandon, for you, if the listeners want to follow you online, where can they find you and uh, check out all the stuff you're doing? Yeah, you can find me on Twitter at Eisman underscore sports. Uh, you can find all LSU content over at LSU Tigers Wire under USA Today. You can find all my Arkansas content over at Latin Barnum College Football. But you can find my LSU Breakdown Podcast on Apple, Spotify, Anchor, and Spreaker.com. And you can find my Beyond the Bleacher Podcast on Anchor, Apple, and Spotify. Uh, so, I'm checking out. All right, sounds good. And then once again, Brendan, I appreciate you taking the time and coming on the show, especially it being last minute and all. Yeah, man. Look forward to it. All right, buddy. That's going to do it for this edition of Talking SEC. Once again, thanks to Brandon Eisman for coming on the show. Once again, that was a last notice thing because I had some issues with the apartment where we couldn't do the podcast we originally planned to do. 
on Monday night, which would drop Tuesday. Uh, so thanks to Brandon once again. That's a lot of fun. Like I said there, uh, you can check out clips of the podcast over on Mark Rogers TV as well. Uh, videos and go, like I said, in that conversation, Brandon, please go check out Mark Rogers on YouTube if you have not done so. If you're a college football fan, you will love the constant content he brings out. Top, top notch content over at Mark Rogers TV. And I'll be back on Tuesdays to plan. I'll be joined by Jake Crane, host of the J Boy Show. Uh, really looking forward to having that conversation uh, with him. So uh, make sure to, to check it out. Uh, check out Talking Pro Football as well. I had a Super Bowl preview up with Matt Barbado from the Fantasy Pros and Betting Pros, uh, where they covered the NFL from the fantasy and betting standpoint. So go check that out as well. Of course, you can follow me on social media at PJordanSCC. You can find the show on Twitter at TalkingSCCPod. Of course, podcast is available on all your favorite podcast platforms, Apple Podcasts, Spotify. So go check it out. And if you're on Apple Podcasts, please subscribe, rate, and review. If you leave a review, we'll read it on a future edition of the show. Hope everybody has a great weekend. Until Tuesday, bye-bye. Thank you for listening to Talkin' SEC. Follow Philip on social media at P. Jordan SEC and the show at Talkin' SEC Pod. Subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. We'll see you next time when we're Talkin' SEC.